the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your hosts, Sydney Carlson and Cole Wissinger. Good afternoon, Cougar fans. It's afternoon. It's slightly afternoon. I never. I, sometimes I say good morning when I'm starting this off, but it's slightly afternoon. We've got a basketball game later today. There's a football game coming up. It's officially bowl season. We're in the midst of it. It is. It's bowl season. It's Christmas season. It is so cold outside. No snow to show for it. Because we're going to Hawaii, I guess. I hear that it's <laughs> slightly warmer in Hawaii. Little warmer. Than it is here. Little warmer. But the weather was the same at Vivint Smart Home Arena up in Salt Lake, just 45 minutes up the road, when the Cougars played Utah State just last Saturday. So as we always do, let's recap last week. 20-second shot clock, 45-second game clock. Barcelo left wing, Utah State in the 1-2-2. Barcelo on the arc left. Lobs it over the hands of Miller to TJ near the timeline. Back to AB with a 10-second shot clock. Barcelo with a 30-second game clock. Penetrate to the right elbow. Hand off to Nixon. Back to AB. He's shot. got the three. He takes it. He yes! makes it! Alex Barcelo knocks it down! Get back. AB for three! And Mark Durant already, I mean, this is celebration time. He's already, get back, get back, because there was about 30 seconds left, but they had a four-point lead at that point. BYU, I mean, the lead of it is BYU never trailed in the whole second half. But it wasn't that easy. Yeah, well, it's wild because you look at the box score and 34 minutes, BYU had the lead, but it never felt Oof. like we, you know, never felt like we had that game in hand because it was just kind of a back and forth. Um, can we just just back up for a minute? Just take a moment to appreciate Greg Rubel on the call because always we are so lucky to have Greg and. I, I mean, I don't think Greg is listening to this necessarily, but... <laughs> but we um, love you. But we love you. And I... We just... He does such a good job, and he's so fun to listen to, and I just... Hearing that call just brought such joy into my soul. I recommend um, to anyone, he paints the picture. And even if you're watching it on TV or if you're there live, get break out the old like Walkman-looking thing that has a radio on it. Stick the old headphones in because Greg is going to give you more information than you could possibly so be able to digest. And it's it's all amazing. I'm such a nerd that when we have a good game, I'll download the podcast if I was watching it live and I'll like listen to his call afterwards to just kind of relive it because he does such a great job of painting the picture as a kid um sorry this is a wild tangent but (laughs) as a kid I um used to have as my ringtone um the Beck to Harleen call because it's so iconic and so classic but just like his excitement and the excitement of the people in the booth literally screaming and shrieking in the background there's nothing better. I, I have gotten to meet now, working at BYU, the various other people that make the broadcast happen, the various other girlish voices that you hear mm-hmm. in the background <laughs> of Greg's microphone every time something really awesome happens. It's the best. Anyway, wild and, tangent. And, we love you, Greg Rubel. And everyone's going crazy on that one right there because there's 30 seconds left and it had gone from just a one-point Cougar lead, 65-64, to 64, to now with an Alex Barcelo three-pointer, mm-hmm. we're talking about... About two possessions with 30 seconds to go. Now Utah State's got a foul. Now, now we can finally breathe a slight sigh of relief after just such a close game the whole time. Oh, I know, and it's it's a good feeling to like come out of a hard-fought battle with a win like that. Um, especially, I hate to bring it up, but especially after the Utah game and some other disappointing yeah. losses that you've had. But I think Utah State's a really good team. And we ranked just the week yeah. before that we had played them. They were very, 15th very good at team. one point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I saw early on that they were ranked 15th, I was like, great. So I'm just going to 
going to cross that one off the schedule is one that I'm like excited to see. I was really prepared. nervous. Yeah, I was really nervous for them. Um, but as we mentioned in the last show, come, a- come out of the Beehive Classic undefeated. 3 and 0. 3 and 0 in the we Beehive are the Classic. Beehive champions. Close the book. We Good are job, we are the Beehive champions. Yoli Childs. Talk about 3 in a row. Yoli Childs now 3 games in a row since not including Utah's half of a game with double doubles in every game that he has played the whole game of. Yoli is back, folks, and this is what makes the difference. You know, you can almost look at all the games pre-Yoli. The first nine and a half, ten-ish, right? Utah's a weird one. Um, It's a different team now. And so as you look forward and see what BYU team is going to be playing, hopefully in a tournament in the postseason through the WCC now, um, it's a team with Yoli Childs, and you got to count for that. Oh, absolutely. We needed a big man so badly. I think, you know, the team stepped up as much as they could, but without Yoli, it's it's just a, a weakened team. And so he brings a spark to this team, and he brings, obviously, his vast skill set to this team, and I just love watching him play. And the defense was able to be there against a Utah State team that we we talked on the show last week. They had just put up just monstrous numbers in their previous few games. Yep. 28%, 40%. Like, these are ridiculous numbers that because we have that, that presence down low, certainly, but everyone playing defense around him is also great. It, it helps to have that anchor because then everyone else can step it up. Yeah. It's true. I think that he elevates this team and kind of allows other people the freedom. They're not, like you said, they're not as worried about, you know, things getting through um, in the paint so they can do their own thing. And there's a lot that Yoli Childs brings to the court. And I, oh, I just am really glad to have him back is all. It might <laughs> He's be pretty Christ- good at the basketballs. I, we enjoy it. We enjoy watching it. It might be Christmas time, but it's always March time as far as I'm concerned. Right now, Joe Lenardi has us in the last four in. <laughs> Wow. In the tournament. Oof. It feels too soon. So we're to one, of the, it feels too soon. one of those like 12 versus 12 play-in games to yeah. get to be the 12, to get to maybe be the upset sure. of a 5 Which is where we've 12. been quite a bit. Like in yeah. our last few appearances, it feels like mm-hmm. that's kind of- Get that little play-in game It's kind of our sweet beforehand. spot, yeah. But I wouldn't mind it. NCAA tournament. Oh, I'll take it. That's the goal. Jake Toulson will penetrate. Stop mid-post left out to TJ. Deep three again. Good again! TJ Haas! A couple threes, and BYU's on a 9 nothing run, leading it 9-2. 9-2 is how we started, with three straight threes to start the whole game. That's how you kind of build a lead to start with. TJ Haas had 13 of his eventual only 16 points in that first half. And that's, you know, as we've said before, TJ, the way TJ goes is kind of the way the game goes. He got us off yeah. to the right start. Yeah, that weird barometer. Um because you look at the you look at the stat line and you've only got two players in double digits and that's Yoli and TJ. Um, whereas our previous games we had like four or five players in double digits. So being able to kind of spread spread that out a little bit across the team is nice. But um, it it's important. It's just weirdly so important for TJ to have a good game and even if it's a start in the first half to get us going and then the rest of the team kind of rises to that level. We just need him. <laughs> just need him to come and, and show up. And he did, and we got the victory. 1-0 and on the week for men's basketball because it's in finals-ish time and Christmas break time, and so there's a little less basketball than we'll have once we're into conference play. But the uh, women's team 
kept a little busy over the week as well. We're going to be talking about how the football team is off to Hawaii for a little bowl game. I'm not sure you've heard of it, but... <laughs> But as the men's basketball team was in Hawaii earlier this season for the Maui Jim Maui classic invitational thing for men's basketball, there's also a Maui invitational thing for women's basketball as well. And BYU was there along with Oregon State, San Jose State, and uh, another team that we didn't end up playing, so I don't remember who it was. But we played San Jose State the first day and Oregon State the second day. Um Victory on the first day and a really good-looking women's basketball team, everyone doing their part. And then going up against an undefeated fourth-ranked in the nation Oregon State team in the in the second day uh, was not the same result, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Never, never your favorite thing to play the fourth-ranked team in the nation, not on your home court in a weird, like you've just traveled, you know, five hours to get to Hawaii, but... Coming off of finals week, not a ton right. of practice preparation. These are student athletes, again, It's holidays. Yeah, like it's almost Christmas time. I mean, but... I'm kind of checked out. It's it's a couple days before Christmas. I'm barely here doing my right? job. Those gals <laughs> are still putting in the work there for, for basketball oh, as well. I feel like a kid. It's like right before Christmas break. I'm like, ah, so is school out yet? <laughs> These are the last couple non-conference games for women's basketball before they head into their WCC play. But honestly, like the after the first quarter, Sarah Hansen had had three blocked shots. We were frustrating Oregon State. It was looking really, really good. Yeah. It was 11-4. to four. They had, I mean, the women's basketball does the same as the NBA where they do four quarters as opposed to the men's basketball like half and half. Right. Oregon State had scored four points in the first quarter. Yeah, and then they scored a couple defense. more in the second, third, and fourth. But we got the win against San Jose State, too. Right. That's good. And I'm just still waiting for my invitation to Hawaii. Seems like everybody on campus is going to Hawaii. I Men's saw basketball, it. women's basketball, the football team, athletics. I assume your colleagues are there. I Some have of many our broadcast colleagues there. Colleagues yeah, are I saw Jerem on Instagram this morning, was walking around the streets of, of Honolulu at like five o'clock in the morning. Sp- poor Spencer so. Linton, right? He's on Sports Nation every single day, and he was pulling double duty because Hawaii is three hours behind Utah time. Mm-hmm. Um, the game against Oregon State was the primetime game of the Maui Jamaui Invitation Classic thingamajig. It started at 10.30 our time, didn't end until midnight 30. He left with Jeez. no post game, headed straight to a little puddle jumper to get to a different island so that he could be on BYU Sports Nation at 7 a.m. his Hawaii time on Friday morning. Kudos, kudos, kudos to Spencer, Spencer Linton. He works hard. He works hard and he puts together a good broadcast. And, and they've got another Sports Nation coming up later today to kind of pregame the Weaver State game. And that is what also, Sydney, you and I are looking forward to now. You know, I told these guys, like, you know, you guys can come out and score 25 points a game. You know who's going to care about that? One person. You know who's going to remember it? Nobody. Or they can come out and do what they've done in this in this ridiculously, incredibly tough uh, non-conference schedule. And you know who cares about that? Everybody. And you know who's going to remember that? Everybody. You know who is going to change the way they feel in their heart? Our whole team. When we come back, Sidney Carlson will be speaking a little Weber State basketball with someone with an intimate knowledge of the team. That's coming up on the Cougar Tailgate. Did you know, before he wore number zero for Portland, Damian Lillard played college ball at Weber State. 
his number one was just the third jersey to be retired by the program. Welcome back to Cougar Tailgate. I'm Sydney Carlson, and we are prepping for tonight's matchup with Weber State. Uh, we're bringing in a Weber State basketball expert, uh, Paul Grua. He has been 16 years with Weber State. He's the director of athletic communications. Paul, thanks for joining us on the Cougar Tailgate. Thank you, Sydney. Nice to be here. I don't know if I'd go as far as say expert, but it's nice to be out with you. <laughs> well, definitely more of an expert than we are. Um, what are some of your kind of favorite traditions or things that you think are unique to Weber State that maybe the average BYU fan wouldn't know about? Well, you know, as far as traditions, uh, Weber State's been around a long time, and I think most BYU fans would know that, but uh, we've we've been here for, for quite a while in Ogden area, and our basketball program has really built quite a uh, impressive tradition. We've gone to 16 NCAA tournaments, won, I think, 22 Big Sky Championships, uh, conference championships, and gone to a lot of tournaments. We've had some great players come through here. I mean, people are certainly going to know Damian Lillard, but there have been a lot of others uh, before him as well that have come through here and, and made it known. We've had some great coaches come through here too. So, uh, you know, the state of Utah is, uh, has a great tradition with, with the schools in the state with some great, particularly on the basketball side, some great tradition there, and I think we appreciate the big part of that as well. Are there any game day traditions or kind of – promotions that you guys do that you particularly enjoy? Uh, you know, not, nothing that really jumps out on top of my head. Uh, for those fans, I'm sure, that have been to the D Event Center, uh, which is a beautiful arena there. It was built in the 70s. It's very similar to the Huntsman Center, but just not quite as big. But a beautiful arena. We've hosted a lot of Utah State uh, high school championships that I'm sure some people from, from Utah County area have been up to as well. But So we have a, a beautiful arena. Uh, we usually get pretty good crowds, especially for some of the in-state games. And uh, we've been lucky that BYU has been coming up to play us here in Ogden and uh, Utah State and others as well. And, you know, not really necessarily any game-day traditions that I can think of, but, uh, but a good, good support. And, again, the tradition that we've had there and the built and the fan base that we've built uh, lends itself to some, some good traditions and good fan base. Uh, you mentioned Damian Lillard. What do you remember about his time at Weber State? Well, I was lucky enough. I, I worked. I was working there. I was kind of the assistant in, in sports information and doing some marketing his first couple of years. And then my first year when he, uh, which was his last year, was my first year actually handling men's basketball uh, on, a, on a director level, I guess you, you could say. And uh, that was pretty amazing because he, he kind of took the place by storm. We knew he was going to be good, but I don't think anybody really knew – how great he was going to be that year. He finished second in the country in scoring. We had the thing I may remember the most is the number of NBA scouts that started coming through. You know, usually we'll get, you know, a couple here and there a year, but we had games during his year where we had as many as 15 or 16 scouts per night coming to our games at home and on the road. And when that started happening, I think everybody around the program started thinking, this is pretty serious now. He's, He's, you know, legitimate uh, NBA guy, and uh, he actually could have come back another year because this was his junior season. Uh, but we started realizing, no, he's he's definitely going to be a, a pretty high NBA player. Uh, but but he was also so great to work with, so humble, so loyal to Weber State, and he has been ever since. And you know, he's hosted uh, an alumni classic game that we've had three years now. The last every other year for for three times. And, He's kind of been the host of that. He comes back and plays in that. 
Uh, he's, he reaches out and comes back about once a year to, to a game, and then he also comes in the summer and works out with some of our players and stays close to our coaches and really just a, a loyal guy for how, how big of a star he is in the NBA. Uh, he's, he remains so loyal to us. and uh, they, Our coaches use him a lot in recruiting. There's no question they <laughs> use him. and he, uh, He's helped us a lot. But, uh, but really, it really is. Our, our Coach Ray has said this before, that he's a nicer person than he is. Even a, a good bas- he's a great basketball player, but he's even a better person. And, and that's really true. And he's really really humble and down to earth. So we have been, been spoiled. It's amazing to watch uh, what he what he has done. But I really remember those that first year that I was doing this. That was, un- yeah, it was certainly unique for how uh, how much attention he drew and and the things that he did that year. It was amazing. Yeah, well, we love hearing that uh, about Damian Lillard. I know that me is I'm a pretty admittedly casual NBA fan, but anytime there's a local kid that makes good, like we're always rooting for him. Um, for sure. Are there any other uh, guys with Weber State ties that you can think of off the top of your head that have made a big impact in the NBA? Well, he's certainly our best NBA player. Uh, so maybe some older folks will remember the name of Willie Sojourner, who played in the late 60s. Uh, Phil Johnson, who was that later became the NBA head coach and then a longtime jazz assistant with Jerry Sloan, was the head coach then after Dick Motta left. So Dick Motta was our first head coach in the Division One era. Uh, then he became the coach with the Bulls and, and the Wizards, won an NBA title, a long-time NBA coach. He recruited Willie Sojourner from Philadelphia, and Willie came out there in the late 60s, uh, played three years and was a tremendous player. Then he went on to, uh, to the – actually played the ABA and a little bit in the NBA as well, played with Dr. J and was a pretty well-known player at the time. Uh, you know, we, he didn't really have an NBA career, but we've also been known uh, across the nation for – Harold Arsenal, uh, maybe a lot of people would remember him, Harold, the show Arsenal in 1999 when uh, Weber State defeated North Carolina in the NCAA tournament. And he had uh, 36 points in that game and kind of became known as a, a legend tied to Weber State. Kind of was known what we were known for basketball-wise before until Damian Lewis came along. So he was certainly another one. Uh, we've, we've had some others. We've had, I think, 16 players drafted in the NBA over the years. But certainly none of them have done anything close to what Damien has done. Sure. And you've obviously been around the program for a long time as an employee, but then as a fan as well. Like, what is maybe one of your best memories or your favorite memory of Weber State? Well, I wasn't part of that game. I mean, I was a student in 1989 when we beat North Carolina, but just watching that from on TV was pretty amazing uh, to be able to do that. And then I, I think not necessarily one game, but. Uh, obviously, the Damien, uh, the Damien year that he had and his career was was certainly impressive. I've been able to, in, since working here, we've done to. I've been able to go to three NCAA tournaments with with our team, and there's nothing like going to the NCAA tournament. That really is a, a special experience, and uh, so we've we've had a lot, had a lot of great memories, and been able to play a lot of great teams, and uh, especially some in-state games. Those in-state games are, are really special too. Sure, and we have one coming up tonight. Uh, what kind of are you expecting from tonight's game? Well, BYU is a very good team, that's for sure. <laughs> and our coaches can certainly break down the game more than I can, but they certainly know how good BYU is, uh, especially with the only child's back now and, and the, the, the play that they've been having lately. And they beat Utah State last week, and that was a great win. Uh, we remember the, the win last year in Ogden was uh, was a great win. We hadn't, Weber State hadn't beaten BYU for quite a while and able to, 
to get a win there last year uh, in Ogden. Uh, Jared Cardin, who's our our senior this year, had a had a big game last year. He's our our top player. Uh, he's actually on pace to become our all-time leading scorer. Uh, he's a senior number ten and, and uh, two-time All-District uh, and All-Big Sky player. So he's the preseason player of the year in the conference, and he's he's kind of our top guy. Uh, we got two seniors, and then kind of a lot of young guys still, some sophomores, and we're kind of a younger team, and it's kind of gone through a little bit of a rougher stretch so far this year. But they're starting to play a little bit better. They were able to win down at Utah Valley uh, earlier in December, and uh, and played Utah last week in the Beehive Classic, and now BYU. So we've we've faced a lot of in-state teams on the road this year, and tonight will be a, another tough one against a really good BYU team. And obviously there's a bit of a scheduling conflict for you because you are in D.C. Um, with the football team playing in the FCS playoffs. Talk to us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, well, it's a good problem to have. I mean, it's nice to go to the, the basketball game, but it's a good problem to have with football. I'm actually standing on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial right now and looking at the Lincoln Memorial and the Washington Monument. Uh, Weber State plays uh, tonight, Saturday night, uh, at, at James Madison. Uh, which is down in a couple hours away from Washington, D.C., Harrisonburg, Virginia. This is the FCS semifinals. Uh, we, this is the farthest Weber State has ever gone, and we were able to beat Montana last week in the quarterfinals, and tonight we'll play uh, at 4.30 Mountain Time uh, against e- on ESPNU against James Madison. So uh, they were able to bring the, uh, the players to Washington, D.C. for a few hours uh, today on, and let them kind of see the sights for a little bit before heading down to to the game, and it's a pretty neat experience just to see a lot of these players that have never been to Washington, D.C., to kind of see what they like. We were able to go through the, the Capitol building for a little bit with uh, Congressman Rob Bishop, took us through for a little bit, and now we're kind of just exploring a few sites before heading down to the game. So it's a neat experience to be here. That's awesome. So you had two wins, right? You beat Kennesaw State and Montana to get to where Co- you are now. Correct. Yeah, they've had really the tied for the most wins in school history. This is the farthest they've ever gone in the in the playoffs of, of FCS or Division One AA, it used to be known. And really great football. Jay Hill, uh, the head coach, was a long time, uh, actually a Lehigh native, a long time uh, player, and then an then a assistant coach at the University of Utah, and has done a tremendous job turning our program around into really a national power right now on the FCS level. So uh, pretty pretty excited to be where they are right now. I love that. And as a college football fan, um, I'm so intrigued by that bracket system in the FCS. Uh, because a lot of people have been kind of calling for it in the FBS. We obviously have that four-team uh, four bracket system going on. But what right. have your impressions been as, as you've right. been right in the middle of it? I think it's fantastic, and I don't know why it couldn't work at the FBS level. Maybe Right now there's 24 in SCS, and maybe that might be a, a little high, but I don't think there's any reason why it couldn't go to eight or maybe even 12, and you could give the top four teams a bye. You play games on campus sites. The, the, the higher seeds are at home. We were actually home the last two weeks, uh, and then it, it's 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 a playoff feel, and, and that's what I think what's fun. And uh, personally, I think this would be better than than some of the bowl games that maybe aren't as as glamorous or important. At least you have a chance to compete, you know, for a national title. Uh, I, I think it'll get there. I think someday you'll see this maybe get to eight or maybe even twelve on a on an FBS level. And I I think it's doable. I think it's a uh, it's really an experience for the. For the, for the athletes to be able to play, knowing that they're playing for for something that's a national championship, your season becomes even more important as you're trying to qualify for this. And, and hopefully, it would, it would give a chance for for all the teams at all the levels, even in the FBS level, an opportunity to compete for a national title. What kind of a toll does it take on your players? Just those added games. 
Yeah, I mean that's certainly a, that's certainly a factor. I think, and maybe that's one reason why why it hasn't happened. We the top eight seeds. How it works is there's 24 teams that get in. The top eight seeds get a bye, so they had a bye that weekend of Thanksgiving, and then the other 16 teams play each other. Then the winners go on uh, to the next round. So there, there's no question. You know they're going to play three straight games. You could potentially play four straight plus. The national championship game is in January, so it, it could have an extra toll of some extra games. But boy, it's it's. On the other hand, I think they they enjoy the opportunity to compete and go somewhere different, play some different teams, and and try an opportunity to win a national title. Playing on national TV is is a big deal uh, at our level as well. So overall, big fan of the FCS bracket system. Yeah, I love I hearing think so. that. I, I've enjoyed how it is. Absolutely. So if you win tonight, what's next? So uh, this is the semifinals. So the, the winners tonight will play for the championship on January 11th in Frisco, Texas. North Dakota State, I'm sure fans know about them. They have been so dominant on the SES level. They're the number one seed. They'll play Montana State uh, today, and then the winner will play the winner of, of our game against James Madison. So the winners will play in January. And There's really good football at this level. We have a lot of in-state players from Utah. I think there's 49 players on the, on the roster from the state of Utah. Uh, that's been an emphasis of our coaching staff. Gives them the opportunity to play, and, and so yeah, could be playing for a national title with, with a win tonight. But it's uh, against a really good James Madison team. There, there is good football uh, at this level, and the, and the highest level teams can, can definitely compete. We've seen North Dakota State, for example, win win some games against against some big teams, and so there's it is good football. Well, Paul, we wish you the best of luck. Go represent the state of Utah for us. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure, and thanks for all you guys do. Good luck. All right, when we come back, we are going to delve back into the FBS bowl season and talk about BYU's bowl game in Hawaii against Hawaii. This is Cougar Tailgate. Did you know Weber State basketball has twice as many regular season Big Sky Conference titles than the next best team with 22? They've represented the conference in the NCAA tournament 16 times, also the most. Tailgate. Thank you very much to Paul Grua for giving us a little more information about Weber State as we prepare for that game coming up in about five and a half fish plus hours. You can hear it right here on BYU Radio with Greg Rubel's fantastic, as always, call. But now, let's turn our sights to football. The team will be back on the field after three long, long weeks of no football. It seems, I mean, we're in the bowl season just yesterday. The first couple bowl games got kicked off, but we've got kind of an early one on Christmas Eve. I'm glad because some of these teams got to wait a full month before they get back onto the field. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Christmas Eve, maybe not ideal <laughs> as, I mean, a, as a player. I will be working. I will be clocked in on Christmas Eve also oh, trying yeah. to be here. Been but. there. Been there, the life of life of, life of a sportscaster, isn't it glamorous? <laughs> but we'll be talking to Austin Lee, uh, one of the players that will be clocking in for his job on Christmas Eve as well later on in this program to ask a little bit of, you know, what makes that different and what makes it different having to travel all the way to Hawaii to play Hawaii, yeah. kind of on their home court, yeah. field, no, uh, building. It's true. And I, it is cool, though, that I do know a lot of the players will take like a spouse and so... 
might be kind of, I mean, there are worse places for sure to travel on Christmas Eve. Last than... year, the bowl game was in Boise, Idaho. Exactly. I would, yeah, if it were Boise, Idaho on Nothing Christmas Eve, I'd have Nothing against the beautiful town of Boise. <laughs> sure, sure. But it's colder than Hawaii. Oh. And it's not Hawaii. I was at that bowl game. Cole, I was at that bowl game, and I don't know if I have ever been so cold as I was in Boise, Idaho, December 21st or whenever it was. It was freezing. It was so cold, and the stadium ran out of hot chocolate oh. halfway through halftime, and I was like, no, I'm sorry. I'm that's, sorry. That's this all is, that keeps you going. You and have you one job. So you didn't have a nice little like box seat inside, no, anything? You were just no, out the, I was out elements. in the open with my dad and some friends, and <laughs> we were freezing. I put... Uh, hand warmers in my shoes oh yeah and couldn't feel them still couldn't feel them when we walked back to the car that takes me back anyone that has seen me in person so radio listeners only get to hear the the glorious sound of my voice you don't know that i'm actually just a five seven hundred and (laughs) ten pound uh kid whenever i'm talking about football so i it's no surprise i did not play football I, i was in the band in the seats but Pennsylvania, where I grew up, gets quite cold as well. Ooh, yeah. Sticking the hand warmers just everywhere you possibly yeah. can to try to stay warm. I don't miss that. I mean, it gets cold here, but I don't. I wouldn't know what a Pennsylvania winter looks like. My little brother, like the same. Yeah, really? he spent a couple su- or winters in uh, Syracuse, New York, and he yep. could, he's come back here and he's like, ah, this is nothing. <laughs> It's a, handle this. it's a heavy, wet, icy yeah. snow as opposed to the nice, fluffy, snowboardy ski kind yeah, of snow yeah, yeah. that we get here. Yeah, Best snow on earth, I think I've seen on a, a license plate that or is what That is what they say. I wouldn't know. Grew up my life, grew up my whole life here, never skied or snowboarded. This is bringing me down, Sydney. We I need know, to talk really Hawaii. Sorry. Oh, yeah, Hawaii. It's, let's it's talk nice, about the it's snow. It's sunshiny and bright and beachy. And let's talk about the Hawaii team that we will be playing in Hawaii no tailgate. The cougar tailgate included is complete without a, a nice six-pack root beer sitting by your chair. And so I have for you a six-pack of questions, as we've done a couple times on the show, about the opponent. These are going to be either or, where you just get to pick something. Give great. me your opinion. Great, All right? great, great. And, and we'll ease you into it. Would you take a win over San Diego State or a win over Boise State? And I ask because... This is a common opponent between the Hawaii and the BYU teams this year. Yeah. Hawaii beat San Diego State. BYU lost. But BYU beat Boise. Hawaii lost to them twice. Which one do you think, I guess, is more indicative? Which one would you rather have? This one's hard for me because I think a San Diego State loss stings a lot. But I also don't like that Boise State has had our number for a long time. And I think I take a win over Boise State. I think that loss hurts me more than a loss against San Diego State. And they've been the stronger team this year. They're the that's one that's true. been this ranked. This year for sure, yeah. BYU, that win, that one in the loss column for Boise is the one thing keeping them out of playing a New Year's Six Bowl. Right. That's true. Which, you know, that's something to hang our hat off for sure. And Hawaii down to five losses, same as BYU. They played a couple more, got a couple FCS opponents in there as well. But two of those five losses were against that Boise team that we won against. Right. So that's promising. Yeah. I think that's one of our better wins on the season. On the season, and a San Diego State an win isn't as impressive to me. That's true. The loss is still not great. But I don't think a win does us anything, whereas a Boise State win does more for us. Also, both teams, Hawaii and BYU, coming off those respective losses to San Diego State and Boise State before the bowl game. A lot to think about before they get ready. Now let's lighten things up. I got 
I think what'll be a, a much easier question for you at least. Great, great. Would you take Timmy Chang, Colt Brennan, or Ty Dentmer? Oh, I mean, I'm Ty. <laughs> but do you know Ty. why I'm asking that question? I do not. So Timmy Chang and Colt Brennan were two Hawaii quarterbacks. And at the time of Colt Brennan's senior season, these were the three guys, Ty included now, that were at the top of the NCAA career passing yards and touchdowns. Really? So stepping into the Wayback Machine for just a moment, going back to a time before passing records were being broken every single day. In 2007, the passing yards leaderboard went Timmy Chang 1, Ty Detmer 2, and then Colt Brennan 3. The passing touchdowns leaderboard, Colt Brennan 1, Ty Detmer 2, and then Timmy Chang 3. When Ty Detmer left, he was top on both of them, and it was two different Hawaii quarterbacks, our opponent in the bowl game, that ended up passing him up. Very interesting. Weird things. Yeah. Well, and I mean, weird coincidence that Ty Detmer was in Hawaii when he heard that he got the Heisman Trophy. Another connection. Another connection. How about it? Also, though, I mean, I would also take Ty because I'm a BYU fan, but also because he did it a decade before Colton and Timmy were doing this at, at Hawaii, yeah. back before passing was just exploding. Because now when you look at these passing yard and passing touchdown leaderboards, right, it goes Case Keenum, then Timmy Chang, but Landry Jones, Graham Harrell, then Ty Denton. I mean, guys from the 90s like Ty aren't even in the top 10. Yeah. Except for rare, Ty. He was a rare one. But it was cool to have, I mean, obviously that was, I was not really um, <clears throat> born when Ty Detmer <laughs> won the Heisman, but um, I spent a lot of time going through highlight footage when I worked at BYU TV and was grew up a huge BYU fan and Ty Detmer is definitely like a source of pride, I think, f- even for, you know, younger fans and obviously for people who lived through that. Absolutely. So now that we know a little bit more about the offense from Hawaii... Sydney, my next question is offense, defense, or special teams? Talking about some of the famous graduates and uh, future NFLers for Hawaii. Let's let's take a look at some of these names. And normally, it's just offense or defense, right? Those are the big deals. But Hawaii, I think their most decorated graduate is a guy named Jason Elam. He is he has the long he had the longest kick in NFL history until it was another Denver Bronco that passed him up kicking a 64-yarder Matt Prater. Wow. Um, but Jason Elam and even their punter Matt McBriar mm. had a long career in the NFL as well. You know, if you can make it as a kicker in the NFL, that is the dream. Like your your risk of injury is so much lower, but you're still you're on the team, and you your longevity in the in the NFL is so much longer. You're still getting that NFL that NFL cash, you know. Exactly. There's there's worse ways to make a couple million <laughs> dollars a year. Yeah, it's stressful. I think it would be a really stressful position, honestly, because you're just sitting, sitting, sitting. Then it's like, okay, now everything rides on you. Go. Mm-hmm. That would be a lot, but if you can be successful, like. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Okay, you ready for some other names from the University of Hawaii? How about on the defensive side first? Absolutely. Kimo von Olhoffen. Sure. Yep. Former Pittsburgh Steeler. Uh, so had to start there myself. <laughs> Pisa Tinoi Samoa was on Hawaii's team back in the early 2000s, along with Travis LeBoy. You got Isaac Sopuaga was a former Hawaii Rainbow Warrior as well. You are 
crushing it with these names. Thanks. I practiced. <laughs> and then offensively, Hawaii's highest draft pick of all time, their only first rounder actually, was Ashley Lalee when he went to the Denver Broncos. Okay. And then they've also had Davon Bess, who was the guy catching passes from Colt Brennan. Colt's NFL career never really took off the way it did um, in Hawaii in college, but a couple wide receivers that made their names for themselves in the NFL. So we wrap back around. Now you kind of have all the information for you. Mm-hmm. Offense, defense, or special teams. Hawaii in the NFL. Who? I mean, I just like wrote a love letter to kickers. Um, I'm going to take I'll take special teams. I think only looking at some of their NFL careers, the ones that translated, the ones that did it at the next level, it was actually the the special teams. We both take special teams. Is that? Yeah, that's all right. It was fun. I really, like, at first I saw Ashley Lilly's name and I saw Kimo Von Olhoven's name and I was like, all right, okay, we're going to do offense and defense. And then I actually looked at the full list. Yeah, yeah. You realize special teams is on there too. Go I mean, Hawaii. I think my next would be defense probably. Anytime you've got a Steelers defensive guy representing, like, it just, that to me, like, I hear Steelers and I think defense. But Super Bowl champion defense. Super Bowl champion defense. That's <laughs> defense wins champions, as they say. Okay. And the next Hawaii question we're on to question number four would you take green and white or the rainbow this of course relating to hawaii's (laughs) colors they they wear green and white and then like silver and black as well kind of on the field for their for their team but they've also been and they are again the rainbow warriors their old logo used to just be a rainbow going into the uh as well interesting so here's the question is this as far as uniforms go or like just colors in general what is the what is the take it as you please well, what would you like to answer i don't want rainbows on the uniforms it's too much you got to oh. you got to like narrow it down to a couple colors i don't want a whole rainbow um i even like the color rush games in the nfl not a fan. <laughs> Don't like them. I think I've mentioned a couple times, but I'm colorblind. Yes. <laughs> and the, every time the color rush happens, anytime it's it's red like versus red green. green. Oh my gosh! Well, and on a the, green looked, field. For those of us not colorblind, it just looked like a Christmas game. <laughs> and I think it was around Christmas, but like. I don't I don't need a red and green. I don't I don't need it. And then there was like the mustard colored ones that the Jags wore. Ooh, yeah. Against the like really it. bright baby blue of Tennessee. Yes. It seems like that's always their oh, Thursday gosh. night opponent. So I don't I don't want the uniforms to be so distracting that that's what I'm thinking about when I'm watching a game. So I like the idea of like green and silver. And, and it's black. a dark. It's a yeah, strong green it's like a that strong... wears. I'm into that. But, like, if they had some cool um, apparel, like, for fans that had some kind of rainbow element. They have a throwback that they've worn a couple times that I am a huge fan of in the rainbow realm of jerseys. They wear this helmet, and it's on white, where it's a rainbow going into the UH, and it's a simple white jersey, the green numbers, right, because green's still their color, but they've got, like, a rainbow going around the sleeves. Sure, they take the... The like the football stripe on the sh- on the the sleeve, yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually am not. I am not anti that. I. <laughs> it's an interesting throwback while still looking pretty strong. Another like in my childhood as well. I remember when they were trying to just be the Warriors. So the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors 
began as their team name, right, in 1974. And then in 2000, they dropped it. It was just, we are the Warriors. But then in uh, 2013, that's when they they swallowed their pride and they realized, no, nah, it's cool. We like the Rainbow and now they are the Rainbow Warriors again. I like it. And it differentiates them. You hear the Warriors and you obviously think Golden State. And I think it you you know immediately who the Rainbow Warriors are. And you know what? Own it. Own 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 the rainbow inside. You know? And one last one last thing on the rainbow. Do you know why they were the Rainbow Warriors? It is because in nineteen twenty three as we all are very aware of the 150th anniversary of college football, so we got to look into the history books a little bit from once in a while. In the last game of the 1923 season, the University of Hawaii upset Oregon State 7-0, to because that's what every score seemed to be back in the 1920s, on their home field there in Hawaii. During the game, a rainbow appeared over the field, and it was a huge upset at the time for them to be taking down Oregon State. And at that point... They started calling themselves the Rainbows. Really? And then it morphed into the Rainbow Warriors somewhere along the way. I just thought it had something to do because Hawaii, like on their license plates and um, their driver's licenses have rainbows, rainbows on them. I thought that just mm-hmm. had something signif- like some sort of significance to um, the state itself. But that's a neat little anecdote. Also dealing with the Rainbow Warriors, question number five, would you take the Rainbow Warriors or the Rainbow Vahine? So... Hawaii is one of those teams that has different team names for their men's and women's sports. The men's teams are the Rainbow War, and more than just sticking like lady in front of it, right? Again, yeah. I come from Pennsylvania. The Nittany Lions are the, the men's teams, and they're the Lady Lions for yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah. But Hawaii does it different. They the the Hawaiian word for a gal is vahine, and so their women's sports teams are the Rainbow Vahine. Are you a fan I, of changing the name or no? You know, I don't know that I am. I'm going to, as as a, the only female on on this podcast... Oh, I wanted your opinion. <laughs> I, I remember when I was a student um, in the broadcast program here, the SIDs at BYU specifically asked that we no longer call the women's team Lady Cougars. And it's kind of, it's a pretty, like, common thing, I think, nationwide that people do that. Yeah. But... I don't like that the girls just get rainbows and the boys get warriors. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, we're the lady rainbows. But, like, sports are hard. Like, they're mm-hmm. hard if you're a guy or a girl. And, like, I – they're that that's too much of a differentiation to me to be – for have one to be the, the lady rainbows and the other ones to be the rainbow warriors. See, and it, well, and, and it is rainbow warriors versus rainbow vahine. Right. So it's they got their own name for it. But again, it's changing the name. The weirdest one to me is whenever you're the cowboys and then the ladies sports are always like the cowgirls. I don't like it. That sounds like I don't like it. (laughs) That sounds like an insult. Just go with the name. Stick with the name. I uh, I work with uh, Elena Medeiros, who is a former uh, women's soccer player. Mm -hmm. And I like I don't consider myself extremely athletic, but like I'm okay. She could, like, destroy me at any sport. And nope. not just soccer, any sport, because she's a phenomenal athlete. And I just think, I, I don't know, these, I just want, I, they should be put at the same level. They should, they should be feeling like they're part of the same squad. 
Exactly. So BYU, I think, does it the best. Yeah. BYU just Cougars. The Cougars across the board. No matter what. Last question in the six pack of questions. Would you take poi or pineapple? Well, considering I don't know what poi is, we're going to go pineapple. Also a native Hawaiian food that I've only tried once. But I ask this, yes, because it's Hawaii, but also the Hawaii Bowl is what BYU and Hawaii will be playing in. There was there have been many Hawaii Bowls, bowls that play in Hawaii over the years. Two of their former names was the Poi Bowl and the Pineapple Bowl. Which oh. I think it's just a fantastic, because you serve poi in a bowl as well. I think those are just fantastic names it sounds for bowl games. Is it some kind of like meat and rice dish? Poi is a Hawaiian dish made from fermented root of the oh, taro. Yep. Go in pineapple all day long. Which has been baked and pounded into a paste. Uh, <clears throat> listen, Hawaii, I love you. I don't. I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in whatever it was that you just described. I'm going pineapple. I love exotic foods. Again, I come from a place where where Mexican is Taco Bell and we have nothing <laughs> else. There's there's one Chinese restaurant in the town and it's run by the one Chinese family in the town. Like when I left my hometown, food was the coolest thing in the universe because I realized that there was more than just venison and mashed potatoes in the world. Venison, wow. There's a, there's a couple deer hunters where I'm from. <laughs> poi is fantastic. And the Poi Bowl was played between 1936 and 1939 until it became the Pineapple Bowl that was played between 1940 and 1952. Uh, they took a couple years off for World War II because, again, we're talking old history of college football out there. Sure, sure. I mean, I, I mean, I I love pineapple a little bit more though, so I'm also going to take pineapple. But just a little bit more history on bowl games in Hawaii, and back when bowl games were interestingly named as opposed to just sponsored, just like the the Idaho Potato Bowl, famous Idaho. <laughs> Excuse me, the bowl. famous Idaho Excuse Potato me. Bowl, a trophy full of potatoes, famously full of potatoes. Such a good idea. When we come back, I'll have a conversation with Austin Lee. I recorded it just before they flew off to Hawaii. We'll find out how he's been preparing for the bowl game right after this. Did you know Hawaii has been to 12 bowl games in program history, including an even 5-5 five and five record in bowls played in the islands? back into the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Cole Wissinger. And before we speak again, before next Saturday and we get another chance to, to come on the show, there's a football game to be played. BYU versus Hawaii in the Hawaii Bowl. That's on Christmas Eve. Also, before I see you again, it's Christmas. Have a Merry Christmas. Getting ready for a bowl game can be tough. And so I took the time to speak with one of the veterans on this BYU squad, Austin Lee, senior defensive back, played his freshman season over at Utah. We don't hold it against him. And I spoke to him after practice earlier this week before they took that long flight to the islands, started by asking him just how the preparations for Hawaii are going. Yeah, it's just it's just been pretty intense. Obviously, from ending San Diego State, you have a little bit more time for the bowl week prep. And so... Right now it's been able to, or right now it's getting more intense, but we were able to get a lot of people reps at the beginning of the weeks and getting people um, just prepared, right, because it takes everyone to win a game. And so 
it's getting more intense uh, as we're leading up to Hawaii, and we're, we're just excited because they're an explosive team, and so we're trying to find the best system that will be able to, to stop them. You mentioned taking a little bit more time. The last time y'all were on a field was November 30th. That's going to be almost a month. How do you stay in the rhythm, in the routine that you have during this long break? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it, we haven't really left, to be honest. Like, uh, we have a certain amount of practices we can have until then, and uh, it's another development phase. So, obviously, you're not competing with um, with teams, right, like you are week to week in the season, but you're competing with with the, the offense uh, in and out. And so it's, it's, a, it's a good opportunity to be able to work your craft or work on your skills and sharpen them up because, I mean, right now we know the scheme of things, but we just want to get really technical on what we do. You also had finals in there. How'd you do for finals week? I didn't do that bad. I'm, <laughs> I'm a senior and uh, I only needed like one class to graduate. Oh, and so a lot of my attention has been able to, to stay on that. But yeah, usually at this time of the season and when finals come up, it can be like, you know, it's hard to focus, people miss, but for the most part, I'm, I'm proud of the team and being able to be here and be ready for, you know, these type of moments. So good to hear. The regular season is over, and your 2019, you got one more game, you're senior. How would you assess your 2019 and then just your career here at BYU football? Uh, it's been a blessing. Uh, BYU's been a, a good part for me and my family, and uh, it's crazy how fast it goes, but being able to get an education here and uh, be on the football field at the same time and make make things happen has been a huge blessing in my life that I can carry for the rest of my life. I don't know if anyone's told you yet, but in Provo for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, it is going to be in the 20s and snowing, and that is not the forecast in Hawaii. How excited are you? What's your how about the, what's your favorite weather to play football in? Yeah, I I, I mean I don't I don't really care. Uh, I mean, obviously the cold can get cold, but when yeah. the way you get out of the cold is to run hard and, you know, to hit somebody. And so you kind of takes your mind off of that. But I'm excited to be able to have time off and spend time in the warm weather of Hawaii and then come back to, you know, a perfect snowy Christmas, I guess you could say, on that day. So it'll be exciting. So what, what are the plans for the players, like time-wise, wise? Are you going to be back here in Provo for Christmas? Are you traveling on the day? What's going on? Yeah, so well, it just depends on people, like their situation, where they live. Um, but for the most part, the guys that live in Utah and those who are coming back to Utah will be able to, I think we fly in around 6, six in the morning. Um, we'll be back at 6 in the morning. So, you know, rush home and see what Santa brought. <laughs> Do you have any family that's traveling with you to Hawaii? Or are they doing that for you? Yeah, so my wife and uh, my kid will go, one of our kids, and then... I know my parents are going to make it out there as well. So well, I'll, have, I'll have quite the family dynamic out there, and it will feel like home too. Have, have any of the guys that are from Hawaii given you advice on, like, where to eat or anything else while you're down there? For, for after the game, of course. Let's, yeah. you can, for when you can relax. Not yet. I haven't really asked anybody from there yet. So that, that's, that's some food for thought right now. The first priority, obviously, has been to win the game, and so – uh, I guess I haven't really been thinking about that much, but <laughs> I guess that's good to hear. But like once it's over, yeah. once you get to relax. Yeah, no, I if when we have some downtime, I'll for sure be looking into that. Okay, now we're gonna have fun here at the end. Got a little bit of a lightning round for you. What is your favorite pro sports team or player, if that's more your style? Pro sports team or player? Shoot, Are you talking about any sport? Um, let's go with the current safety. I'll go with the. Uh, 
Marcus Williams, just because I played with him at Utah. Very good. What's your favorite superhero? Favorite superhero? Uh, geez, I haven't thought about these. Let's go Superman. Very, that's, that's a solid answer. Solid answer. Safe. What's, what's your favorite thing to do on the beach? Uh, geez, I, I like to relax, but, I mean, I'm, I'm down to go surfing. I'm not very good, obviously. I haven't lived there, but I'll, I want to try surfing. Uh, what's a favorite Christmas tradition in the Lee home? Christmas tradition. Uh, I think, well, we, we, we used to do, like, now that I have my family my own, we try to do pajamas on uh, Christmas Eve, you know, before. But what I've always loved growing up is these little things called no-nos that my mom made. Just this little treat. Like, Are they like a cookie or? It's, it's, it's similar. It's like, I don't know. It, it sounds a little weird if I explain it. It's like a chocolate uh, frozen ball that's like kind of got whipped cream in it. And then it's uh, those vanilla, you know, wafers. Oh, yeah. Or wait, not wafers, but. Just like the cookie. cookies that yeah, yeah. crumbled on top. So, yeah. The, yeah. Interesting. I like it. Yeah. Let's hope they're victory pajamas <laughs> too on I Christmas think that's Eve. What, how you make it, but that's just what it tastes like. What's your go-to place to eat here in Provo? Go-to place to eat here in Provo. Um, it's late after practice. You and the guys just need some food in you. Oh, I, I've been on a big Cubby's kick lately. The tri-tip steak sandwich. What's the last movie you saw in theaters? Uh, the Jumanji Two with the team. Very good. Cake or pie? What kind of pie? Any any kind of pie. Uh, berry. Let's go berry pie. And finally, what's your favorite Christmas song? Um, what's the? Let's go with the, the Hawaiian Merry Christmas one. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know how to say it, but yeah, let's go with that one. A little and Hawaiian then, spirit. What do, you, what do you want to tell all the Cougar fans here that are either getting ready to make the trip, the five hours or whatever flight to Hawaii, or just excited to watch you and, and invite BYU football into their Christmas tradition? Yeah, it will be, it'll be one to remember, right? you got Christmas out in Hawaii, you got the warm weather, and, I mean, you got you got football out there, and uh, it will be a great game as well. So it's just going to be a, a Christmas to remember in Hawaii. We will put a Christmas bow on the show when we come back. You're listening to the Cougar Tailgate on BYU Radio. Welcome back into the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Cole Wissinger. And a big thanks go out once again to Austin Lee, senior defensive back on the BYU football team. And a good luck to the whole football team, by the way, in their bowl game against Hawaii. Then we had Paul Grewell on the show of the Weber State Athletic Department. And as always, Sydney Carlson as well. She had to duck out to go take care of some last-minute things for the BYU versus Weber State game tonight. So let's you and me just wrap up the show. You know the deal. If you missed any of our great interviews today, just check it out on the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, on Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, um, probably the Apple Podcasts one, if I didn't mention that one too. Start to get into a rhythm and lose track of what I even say. We also got an email. If you got questions, comments, or concerns about the show, or you want to hear your fan story on the air, you can email us at cougartailgate at gmail.com. That's cougartailgate. A-T-E at gmail.com. Cougar Tailgate is heard every Saturday at noon Mountain Time, that's 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 Pacific, on BYU Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 143, and 107.9 locally in Utah County. We're a production of BYU Radio. My name's Cole Wissinger. Go Cougs! <laughs>